Yes, uh, you know, just like you say, the history probably did, will repeat, just in different time and different locations. Uh, last couple of days, uh, you know, I watching TV about this the Kabul, uh, Afghanistan, the evacuations. And a uh, lot of people, I hope everybody can get out of there, but uh, some people, I think uh, they cannot get out. They probably just have to hiding, and uh, maybe, uh, I mean, people with uh, associate with uh, America and helping Americans do some work. Uh, but they're not able to escape. So they right now they're probably hiding. And some people just desperately, basically, a, you know, in danger, waiting for their sentence. So that reminds me something. Not just uh, 1975, the Saigon War. Also remind me long time ago, my uncle Charlie's story. Uh, Charlie, uh, my uncle Charlie, uh, when 1943, uh, he just uh, high school, senior high school student in a uh, missionary school. And then after Japanese occupied Shanghai, so the whole school and uh, led by an uh, uh, American priest, and they uh, moved to uh, Kunming, it's inside of China, and uh, to continuing the education. So that place, Kunming, also is the uh, country, the camp I went, the re-education I lay down. And uh, so that time, uh, American Air Force and the Flying Tiger was there and fighting a Japanese, also training a Chinese Air Force and the base there. So they desperately need a lot to interpret. So uh, the priest, American priest, told uh, asking uh, my uncle Charlie. He said that you want to be a volunteer. You are senior high, and uh, you speak perfect Chinese and English. So maybe you can uh, be an interpreter. So he agreed, and uh, to fighting with the Japanese, right? Of course, he agreed. So he just jumped on a job, and by the time he still is a part-time interpreter. Then a year later, he. 18, so they hire him as a full-time job as an interpreter. And then he was very proud of himself and to working with the Flying Tiger. And, but that was 1944. So 1945, when Japanese surrendered, so the mission accomplished. So Flying Tiger go home. And also that missionary school also went back to Shanghai. And then um, he, my uncle Charlie, and he met a girl in the uh, nightclub. She is a beautiful dancing girl. You know, dancing girl means they were, uh, you would say, uh, they also call taxi girl. Like uh, you pay for the hour to, they, they dance with you in the nightclub. So he fell in love with that girl. And uh, normally those girls are very beautiful, but they're from very poor family. That's the only place they can make money and uh, to support the family in Shanghai in that time. So she found Charlie, and Charlie was young and handsome, and also my grandparents give him a lot of uh, money and uh, properties. And uh, so it's 
so she's very happy, very grateful in marrying him. And uh, so they got married, and at that time, Charlie lived in, in the, the Shanghai, like a whole load of uh, houses called Alien. And they, probably 15 houses, my grandma gave it to him. So he never won, and then ran out all others. So they're doing very well. And uh, after a few years, they have uh, two kids, another on the way, in 1948. And uh, three years later, after Japanese uh, surrender. Um, but um, uh, that time, his friend and uh, all the people, his schoolmate from that uh, missionary school, they all prepare and to leave because they know communist you know, party is coming and they're going to occupy. And so they were planning to escape. And so they asked Charlie to go with them because some of his friends, they're already becoming uh, the uh, nationalists, uh, the, their Air Force uh, uh, or Army officers. So they had to leave. And uh, some uh, and they also uh, were for the national government. They had to leave, too. And uh, so kind of big evacuation. So they asked Charlie to go, say that because you're not safe here, because you were for uh, American Air Force and the Flying Tiger. So sooner or later, they will get you. You better leave it to Taiwan. And then he said, no, you know, I'm not single man anymore. I'm, I have a family. I just have a, a two sons. And another one on the way, so I just cannot leave. Also, I have this other properties, and I cannot take with me. So what I'm going to do in Taiwan, I had to think about how to make a living and to feed the whole family. And so he rejected. So they all left in 1949, and they occupied Shanghai, the communists take over. And then... And he stayed, but they think uh, that time he still think uh, maybe he still can business as usual. And uh, he, he was uh, um, a stockbroker. And then he think everything will be same, but then not too long. And the, the stock is changing closed immediately. And then um, the, the Korea War happened. So that time, the Communist Party asked everybody and uh, were used to work for American, associate with the American government or the Army or Air Force or whatever, you had to register. And uh, if you don't, somebody report you and uh, you immediately go to jail. And so he went to re uh, register. But then he said, you know, I'm just in trouble. I didn't do anything. I'm not a real... Uh, the uh, uh, army personnel, or I'm not a real government person, so I'm I'm fine. I didn't do anything. I just uh, translated. Right? Anyway, so he registered, register, and then and then probably uh, six months later, they arrested him and put him in jail, and uh, they accused him as um, a traitor, and also uh, is. Uh, the spy, because you speak English and you were associated with uh, uh, American. Hey, Amy, so, uh, do you know why yeah. they waited six months? I don't know. I don't know why they waited six months, <laughs> but uh, that's uh, about the, the timeline. 
and uh, they were. I think that they have a lot of people, so just go from top to down, you know, so category and what people are put to rest. And uh, so get his turn, so they arrest him, put him in jail, and there's no trial or anything. They just want him to confess uh, how do you do the spy, how you become a traitor, and kind of things, you know. But there's nothing to talk about. Like, he just uh, interpreted, right? So anyway... That happened, and uh, so the, that time also they took, because he's a traitor, they accused him as a traitor, but the, they sentenced him uh, to uh, 10 years and sent him uh, to the uh, some labor camp. And uh, the family, meanwhile, was no support anymore because they took uh, all his property because once you're a traitor, they accuse you as a traitor, and uh, so they took away all your personal property. So all his houses are gone. And uh, when he got home, uh, not he was released early. The reason is that he was very sick. He got a TB. He almost died. Very, very sick. So they kicked him out because they don't want him to infect the other people there. And uh, he got home, I think probably two years later he got home. And uh, he saw his family. And they've been kicked out of the house and they confiscate all the properties. They were living in the one used to be a, you know, doorman's reception room, just in the reception, the mails and stuff like that. But the the whole family is no kitchen facilities, no bathroom facilities. They had to go to public bathroom. And so it was very, very awful condition they live. And also he's still sick you know, on the TV. So that time, uh, and they have uh, some kind of movement, and they want the uh, Shanghai uh, people living in Shanghai. If you don't have a job, uh, they want you to go to um, south, uh, not south, uh, northwest part of China. And uh, they have some coal mines. They say they're going to provide you a job. So his wife said, well, you are sick, you know, and I'm afraid that, the three kids were infected, and also we need uh, food. So they have this job offer in the northwest China, the coal mine, very primitive condition, but I got to go because for the kids. So I agree with And so he, that time my grandma is still alive, so he moved back, lived with the grandma, and then his wife took three kids to the uh Northwest, uh, the coal mine, to to stay and work in there, and uh, then eventually, because he has a schoolmate, is also from that uh, missionary school, and uh, he uh, went to Shenzhen uh, University Medical School, and so he become a doctor. He didn't escape to Taiwan. He's still in Shanghai, so that his schoolmate was saving his life. So he just gave him some medicine. And at that time, uh, uh, American or uh, British already become a number one enemy in China, you know, after, uh, during the Korea War and after Korea War. So, uh, but uh, they still can, through Hong Kong, they can get some uh, import medicine. Those doctors, they have uh, their own friend, the relatives in Hong Kong. They will send them something. You're still able to receive some uh, imported some medicine. So he gave some uh, 
medicine and treated TB. So eventually he was uh, cured and he didn't die. And then talk about his uh, family. His wife was a very beautiful woman and there was three child, three boys and got the Northwest, the coal mine. Over there was so bad. He didn't know. He's a dancing girl. He didn't know how to do any uh, harsh labor. So he said, ask and they said, do you have anything else I can do? So they offer her a job as a cook. And so she is cooking uh, in the coal mine. And therefore, but it's still very harsh. But for her kids, and, uh, you know, they just uh, not barely have enough food. So that time, uh, uh, in charge of the coma is uh, a communist officer. And then and this officer's family is in the countryside, not in the, the coma. And so he just uh, offered her, he said, that, you know, you can be my, not wife, because he said, uh, like a uh, uh, mistress, and uh, I give you extra food to feed your three boys. And she had, she just cannot, has no other way to make a living there, and for the kids, so she agree with. So that's where she able to manage it to uh, raise the three kids. So after um, uh, lots of years, I think, uh, uh, but before the, uh, or after the Cultural Revolution, even, but during the Cultural Revolution. Because she was still in that coal mine with kids, and also she was a lover of this communist officer. So they were basically protected and didn't get any bad treatments. And but Charlie and my grandma dad, but Charlie was living in the basically the poverty, and he still I think. It's not really killed the TB. It's still not very healthy. And he also, it's weak. He cannot go do any physical labor work. So he couldn't find any decent job. So he still uh, just uh, uh, did something here, there, you know, it, it's like a beggar, basically. And uh, sometimes, lots of times, he's just coming to uh, my house. My mother just feed him. And uh, basically, it's a very sad, sad situation. And but uh, Red God didn't go after him because uh, you know you already down and out. You know they don't want to be the uh, dead horse, so he didn't get anything. They know you know he cannot do anything, and also he was uh, living the poverty, so they didn't go after him. So that's the situation, and uh, he was. Uh, and then, then finally, I think after the Cultural Revolution. And his wife and three kids all grow up, and they all back to the wife already retired back to Shanghai, and so they live together. But they're still in the one room, very bad condition. And then my until 1980, my aunt from America, her husband also reverend or something. So Charlie asked that did they know that the priest, the American priest. He already went back to America. Finally, they found him, uh, and actually in Bay Area, Hayward, not too far away. And that, because the priest is very old, but his son still in charge of that uh, congregation. So they wanted to help in Charlie. You know, Charlie is coming to visit him. 
So they told him uh, he can apply for a, a political asylum and uh, to uh, uh, Taiwan, but not uh, in America. And then they said that, you know, it's been that long, that many years, you know. He said that uh, my family still there, my son, my wife still there. He said that doesn't matter what happens, it's over, you know. Whatever I treat uh, miserably, I had a miserable life because I work for America, the Flying Tiger is you know, interpreter. So that that's the story. I was thinking about this uh, uh, in Kabul, and I was thinking about lots of people that work with Americans. It's like a, a, sure. a history a repeat. It's a history you know. repeating of yeah. working yeah. as an interpreter to help the United States and you end, yeah. up, end up in a bad situation. Yeah whole life, you know, so I don't know what Amazing. had fallen up, you know, and for those people right now, you know, I just honestly, I remember that Charlie, Uncle Charlie's story.